We're going to continue on the series of the matters of the heart. And for those of you who don't understand a word of what I'm saying today, don't worry. Okay, I would encourage you to go uh, to SoundCloud and listen to the messages there. Add us, Life Church Global, add us there as a friend, not as a spy, <laughs> as a friend. And listen, and listen to the word there and uh, uh, just you can catch up so that what I say today will make sense because I'm going to go a little bit of science on you um, and it's going to be awesome because your life is going to change today. Right? So Jesus had a tendency of calling the scribes and Pharisees names. Uh, he would call some a brood of vipers. I mean, it would be pretty odd for me to stand up here and... We don't use those kind of titles now anyways. Brood of vipers. And, uh, you know, he would, he would call some uh, liars and you are thieves... Uh, and some he would say, uh, you know, you are sons of Satan. Pretty strong, isn't it? You're very quiet. I'm not calling you that. I'm just, I'm just saying that this is what Jesus called the scribes and the Pharisees. And he would always call them, he would make statements like this that would really agitate them. And, but the reason why he would do that is because the scribes and Pharisees were pretty good at, at really standing in the marketplaces and standing in public places and demonstrating an expression of worship and prayer that on the outside looked very, very good. Awesome. Man, it's the man of God. I need to follow him. But Jesus always looked at the heart. And in one instance, he, he, he's talking to, to the disciples and the scribes and Pharisees, and he, he calls them on the outside, you guys look awesome, like whitewashed tombs. I mean, it's meant to be a compliment. You guys look like whitewashed tombs, pretty on the outside, but filled with dead man's bones. Pretty strong for Jesus to make a statement, but, you know, Jesus can say whatever he wants, and it's the truth. Jesus cannot, Jesus never gave facts. He always spoke the truth. And if he said you're filled with dead man's bones, then that word will set you free from the inside. Oh, come on. The reason why Jesus did that is because the Pharisees were expressing a, a, a relationship with God which was not really heart-based. And Jesus would always look at the heart. And there are, there are, there are, in the Gospels, there, there are times where Jesus would say, and discerning their hearts, Jesus would make a comment. He would always look at the heart of the person, never really the expression. Really good, isn't it? I mean, some of us, some of us have always looked up to people in the kingdom of God as mighty men and women of God till we figure out they fell. And they're not very mighty anymore. In fact, man, they're just normal. But I want to tell you, all mighty men and women of God are normal. They just have a very supernatural God. It's just that they have decided to apply their faith, put their faith in practice, much more than you do. That's the reason why they do things that you don't do. That's why Jesus could walk through walls and you can't walk through walls. It's because of your faith. But Jesus was very quick at catching the heart. And the reason why is because the scribes and the Pharisees had a value system. Now you have to pay attention. Yeah. 
Okay? They had a value system that came from somewhere. Okay? Jesus had another value system that came from somewhere. And he said, what I have to say is what you need to put your faith in. What you have believed so far has been a wrong value system. Okay? You're sitting in this room today. Please be aware I'm talking about the conscience. All right? The heart is not the organ, it's the conscience. Say conscience. Only you and God knows what is in your heart. You're sitting in this room today. Whatever your opinion is, it comes from the heart. Whatever your exercise of faith is, comes from the heart. It's because you've believed something. You know, I've, uh, I've come across people in, I, I, I work in media, and in media you have uh, really some extreme people, you know. Uh, and uh, it's like the fashion industry. You know, you, you have extremes, extreme kind of people. And I'm sitting with this, with this man one day uh, in, a, in an ad agency and I'm having coffee with him, talking business. And in the ad agency, especially in Dubai, you know, the, the women dress up very promiscuously and, you know, they do their thing and whatever it is they want to do. But the guy is sitting, I'm sitting across him now and my back is to all the action that's happening behind me and he would be like, <laughs> to every woman that passed by. I mean, it's pretty odd having a conversation with somebody. It's like, it's like I'm preaching and you're falling asleep. <laughs> it's a pretty odd, odd, it's pretty odd to have a conversation with somebody who's like not looking at you, but. And, and so, so for me, being, a, being who I am, I just started laughing. <laughs> I was like, this is hilarious. It's not, it's not like once or twice, you know, it's like five, six, seven times now. It's like every, even if a donkey passes by, it's like, come on, man, you know. And so I just burst out laughing and I noticed a ring on his finger, wedding ring. And I was like, hey, you're married. I'm trying to make it awkward now. Right? I'm like, hey, you're married. And he turns around and he tells me this. He said, man, don't you know? You can look, but don't touch. <laughs> don't clap, don't clap, don't clap. Now is not the time to clap. <laughs> that was the worst time to clap. The worst time. <sighs> so I'm talking to the guy, and he tells me this statement, and it literally shudders me because it's not my value system. It's not my value system to, to have a wife and look at another woman with lust in my heart. So for me, it shuddered me, but at the same time, it revealed to me his conscience. It revealed to me his heart. For him, it's okay. It's okay for me to look, but don't touch. But if I touch, that means something's wrong. But the problem is being in covenant with, with, with your wife, with your partner, with your husband causes you to live in certain boundaries where your eyes are only for her. 
Not that I'm not saying that you can't look at people with glee. It's the way you look that matters. It's not who you look at. It's how you look at that matters. Right? So, uh, so I'm, I'm talking to the guy and, and he tells me this statement and it reveals his heart to me that his heart has become insensitive to his wife in that area. Do you understand? Because he settled for something that is less. It doesn't cost him. It doesn't cost him. In fact, actually, you know, it's, it costs you much more to keep your eyes only for your wife. Keep your eyes only for your mother and your sisters and your brothers and, you know, your fathers. Just keep it pure, right? So for me, it revealed his heart towards his wife that that his his relationship with his wife, there's there's an insensitivity towards his wife, which means if he continues in that stage, he will become more insensitive to a point where his heart becomes dead towards intimacy with his wife which means she will never look as beautiful as another woman walking down the street I think I'm preaching to someone today your silence is deafening (laughs) so today the title of my message do you want to know what it is it's called dead heart so today whatever state your heart is in is resurrection day Okay. Amen. Amen. So, <laughs> just for those who, who haven't been to our church before and haven't heard this series, whenever the Bible talks about heart, it's actually heart is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. 800 times in the Bible. And never once is God talking about the organ that pumps blood. Okay. He's talking about your conscience. Okay. So, in 1, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I don't need to go there. I'm just going to f- paraphrase it for time's sake. The, Paul says to Timothy, in the latter times, the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, that people, children of God, will be deceived by doctrines of demons. But these doctrines of demons will come from known sources. People that you know. Because these people who talk to you and give you these doctrines, for example, like this man who says, looking is okay, touching is not good. It's a wrong doctrine. It's a wrong value. That doctrine is come from a demon. Show me in the Bible, where does it say, you can look but don't touch? It doesn't, right? So it's a doctrine of a demon. Now let's say a Christian brother, just fairly new, getting saved, goes in for the meeting and he's sitting down with this ad agency and he doesn't know Christ's values. (laughs) Christ's values. And he's sitting down in this meeting now and this person says, hey man, you can look but don't touch. And the guy says, yeah, really? Is that allowed? Is that allowed in marriage? We can look but don't talk. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You can go for it, man. Go for it. And then he has to now break a covenant and allow his heart to get seared so that he can do what he wants to do. It's a doctrine of a demon. And, And Paul is saying that in the church, in the church, doctrines of demons will come in through known sources. 
people you're sitting next to. Not the pulpit. Trust me. The one who stands at the pulpit is judged more than you. So I have to be very careful as to what I say. If I lie from the pulpit, my life is on the line. Not you, my life. So I have great fear for what I say, please. But there are people that are sitting around you who have adopted doctrines that, that, are, that are like, it's okay for me to do it. Maybe not okay for you, but it's okay for me. My wife is cool with it, man. We're, all, we're both the same like that. She looks and doesn't touch. I look also and I don't touch. The question is, do you look at each other and touch? Because you're looking and not touching outside. Huh? And that part of your of intimacy with your wife has become so dead now that, that you prefer. <laughs> what did you say? Don't look, don't touch. Jesus, <laughs> he says, man, you are sons of Satan. You are sons of the devil because you've believed his doctrine. Are you listening to what I'm saying? If you're, if you're receiving a doctrine that is outside, outside the word of God, it's either a human doctrine or a demonic doctrine. When you start making up Things in the Bible, taking one verse from here out of context, bringing it from another side out of context and attaching two things, you are making doctrines of demons that are causing people to stumble and fall. That's why I love preaching in context. I read three chapters before, three chapters after in order to preach from the middle chapter. Because I want to know what, what is happening, what's the situation in this place. And so Jesus now is calling these people sons of Satan. There's a reason why he's calling them sons of the devil. Would you like to know why? I'm so glad you asked me. Because in, in Genesis chapter 3, I'm just going to go through it. You can read it for yourself later. Genesis chapter 3, in chapter 2, God comes to Adam and says, Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What did he do? No, he gave them a doctrine. He gave, he presented his value for life. What God did was he presented his value for your life. So if you place worth, please listen to me. If you place worth on something that God values, now there's a blessing that comes to it. Do you understand? When, now, how, you, how do you place worth on something that God values? Your obedience. Oh, come on. When you obey, when you're quick to obey God's word and stick to it and you obey his value system, now there's a blessing. What was the blessing that he gave Adam and Eve? He says, I give you authority and dominion, power, be fruitful, multiply and replenish the earth. That's the blessing that came from obeying this one value. Don't eat of that tree. But see, the devil is really smart. When God presents a value, he also comes and presents his value. Yeah. 
He says, if, he tells Eve, if you eat of this tree, you shall not die. God said you shall die. 100% you shall die. But he says you shall not die. In fact, you will become like God, knowing both good and evil. So he presented something, God presented something. Now Adam and Eve were, had to make a choice. Either look and don't touch, or no look, no touch. <laughs> Actually, no look, no touch, be faithful. And so now both of them are presented with this and we know that they ate of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the fruit, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. But they didn't die, did they? It's a question. So was God wrong? So what died? Yeah, you're good. You're good. You're getting good. This section is good. What, what happened? Huh. Their conscience, their heart died. What was the heart? Now, you need to understand how the conscience is formed. When God comes to you and he says, do not eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What happens is that when you receive it and you say, yes, I receive your word. Now, what is formed in you is a, a voice uh, that says, every time you go past the tree, that voice will tell you, you're coming too close. It's getting too hot, too hot, too hot, too hot, too hot. Get cold, 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 cold. Too hot, too hot, too hot, too hot, too hot, too hot, too cold, too cold, too cold. Have you played that game before? That's basically what your conscience does. Every time you're on the brink of committing sin, your conscience tells you, don't do it. But when you still persist and do it, you kill your conscience. Your heart begins to... To that part of your heart begins to die. For example, I give you an easy, easy example. For if you think, let's say, let's say a person uh, who's struggling with alcohol, right? I'm just an example, okay? Please, if you're feeling condemned, that's your problem. <laughs> you deal with it. <laughs> let's say a person struggling with alcohol has received a word from God saying, alcohol is an idol in your life, don't touch it. God, why only that? <laughs> and, and so now the bargaining starts with God. Have you noticed Adam and Eve had no option to bargain? God is like that. You can't negotiate with him. Look, but don't touch. No, that doesn't work with God. If he says don't do something, it means just don't do it. Option doesn't exist. Don't touch, don't touch. And so now he's standing, this person is standing, now his friends give him a call, hey buddy, come on man, it's Thursday night, let's go to the club, let's party. What's that place called? Barista? Barista, yeah. <laughs> it tells you the difference between coffee and an alcoholic. <laughs> coffee drinker, yeah. Anyway, so, so he said, oh, Thursday night, Barasti ba is, is pumping, man, today. I just saw it and it's like happening. Let's just go and have a couple of drinks. And, but God told me, but I'll go anyways. I'll go just for the sake of hanging out with my friends. Just to company, give them 
Why are you guys high-fiving each other over there? Huh? And, then, and then after that, when the company starts and the company is so good, company is like, yeah, have some. Free. Free? I don't have to pay? God, just one sip. One sip, God, one sip. And you have a sip and before you know it, you've sipped the bottle and now the barrel and everything, you're at the bottom of the barrel sitting, sitting down with your head. Somebody's carrying you home. Next day when you wake up, God, forgive me. Oh my God. I don't know whether you're praying for the hangover and the headache that you're going through or the fact that you disobeyed God. Some of you guys are not smiling also, not even laughing. <laughs> what, what, did, what you did, it could be something as simple as that. But your conscience got seared. That part towards obeying God and saying, yes, I obey you. You've become insensitive in that area. So the next time God asks you, don't do something, that part becomes dull. People ask me, why can't I hear God's voice? Christians who have been in the church 20 years, uh, Pastor, can you please pray for me? I want to hear God's voice. Why can't I hear God's voice? I really want to tell you, but I don't think you can handle it. No, I'm talking to the person. I want to tell you why you can't hear God's voice after 20 years of being a Christian. You can't hear the voice of your God that you gave your life to. The issue is when you were 20 years ago, you were super excited, heard his voice. You gave your life to Jesus and then you started disobeying him. Little things, little things. Oh, just go put that, you have tenderums? Okay, put that tenderums in the, in the basket today. Oh, but I want shawarma. <laughs> God, you know, make me rich so I can give more. And when God makes you rich, it's like you give like you are poor. The issue here is you're becoming, when your conscience gets seared, you become insensitive towards God. And the more you keep doing it, you keep disobeying, you keep disobeying, you keep disobeying, you become dead eventually. It's the same thing with relationships. It's the same thing with church. First time you skip church, nobody asks you. Nobody asked you why you didn't come, so, which means I got away with it. You don't understand. Your, your conscience got seared towards your family. So the next time I want to make a decision not to come to church, it's easy. Oh, I don't know if I'm talking to somebody today. <clears throat> huh? If I want to skip church, oh, I'm, I'm tired. It becomes easy. Then skipping church becomes easy. Going to life group, not going to life group becomes easy. 
So the issue here is, is not, you can be a good Christian, you can be a Christian all your life, you can come to church, you can do all the, the, the hoops that we go through in, in, in the service, you can do pay your tithes, you can do everything. But if your conscience is seared, you never really live the life that God wants you to live. It's only because God presented a value, you chose the knowledge of good and evil. See, every time you choose your will, are you listening? Every time you choose your will above God's, your conscience gets seared. Your heart becomes dull towards God in that area. Every time, are you listening to me? Do you know what I'm saying? I'll repeat myself. Every time you choose to obey your will above God's will, your conscience gets seared. You might say, well, you know, what about groceries? Well, submit your groceries. Have you, have you heard what the Bible says? Take every thought captive and submit it to Christ. Every thought. We should be more busy about the thoughts in our mind than what's happening around us. Because the thoughts in our mind are literally killing us from the inside out. And that's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. They started dying a slow death. And Christians today, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, are dying a slow death. Because your conscience is seared. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. So, verse 10. Are you there? And the disciples came to him and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. Wow. Someone say, I'm privileged. privileged. For whoever has to him, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see. And hearing they do not hear. Nor do they even understand. We'll stop there. Why do you speak in parables, Jesus? Some of you in the room today come to me after the service and say, Pastor, I didn't get it. It felt like a parable to me. It's pretty deep, 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 very deep. Oh, too deep. Too deep. Too deep for me to, to go and get the word. Let me tell you something. Jesus is speaking to scribes and Pharisees and thousands of people. All new believers. Actually, they're not even yet started believing in Jesus. So he did not really think to water down the message so that they can understand. No, no, you, 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 you'll understand privilege now. You'll understand how privileged you are. In fact, he made it even harder. Why? It's because it's been given to you to understand the mysteries. So something happened when you believed Jesus. When you started believing in Jesus, this ability to not understand the things of the kingdom, to not see the kingdom, to not understand how God functions and how God speaks, got unlocked. You did not have to go to Bible school. You did not have to go through deliverance. All you needed to do is say, I believe. 
Jesus says, it's not the one who says, sorry, it's not the one who says the sinner's prayer that goes to heaven. It's the one who believes goes to heaven. So say, if you believe in Jesus, say, I believe Jesus. Which means you're going to heaven. All of us are going to be in heaven. It's amazing, isn't it? So he's saying to those who believe, it's been given the ability to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Which means it's not my job to make you understand. It's his job to make you understand. It's my job to tell you the parable and walk away. But it's your job to understand. So I'm going to do that today. Okay. Come on now. That's faith right there. Come on. But whoever has, to him more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. Did you get it? What is he trying to say? He's trying to say, those of you who understand the mysteries of the kingdom, those who believe, have received the value of God. You've taken something that God has said and you've put worth on it. And you said, God, I place a worth on on your word, on your will. See, the value that God presents is his will. He's like, I I don't want you to marry that person. For example, I'm not telling any of the single ladies, but I'm just saying, I've told people before, that girl, not good for you. And that guy went and married the girl. And today he comes to me and he says, not good for me. (laughs) In the same way, God is coming to us and he, 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 he says, listen, you in, since you're in the kingdom, you need to understand, a king has a kingdom and in the, the king has dominion over the kingdom. So if the king speaks and you submit to what he speaks, there are massive benefits that come through it. But the other guy who comes and gives you the word, a wrong doctrine, an evil doctrine, the Bible says that sin... Wait at the door of your heart. That if you give in to sin, now the wages of sin is? But the gift of God is? Now, so you're always presented with the knowledge of good and evil and truth. When God gives you his value system, your heart attitude will reveal to you how much worth you place on his value. Some of you sitting in this room are like, what are you saying? I need to ask you to believe in Jesus. Truly, are you truly believing? Are you just doing this church thing for the sake of coming to church? Because if you are, it is okay. God will change you. But if you want to change, be transformed faster. Believe. You've got to put your faith in God's word. And you have to submit to God's word. If you don't submit to God's word, you will fulfill your will. Or you will fulfill the doctrine of a demon. Anybody want to fulfill the doctrine of a demon? Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. I will cast out that demon right now. (laughs) Right. So, So he goes on to say, whatever you have, if you have, if you create a value around it, more will be given. Oh, come on. So for more value coming into your life, it means more abundance. So more word equals to more breakthrough. 
more will of God and submission to the will of God equals to breakthrough, miracle signs and wonders, absolutely not living in lack, financial breakthrough, business, all, everything's happening. You're being fruitful, multiplying. You're having authority, you're having dominion. Why? Because you're a son of God in his kingdom. Come on. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand what I'm saying. (laughs) I just added that a little bit because it just landed properly. It's very, um, you know, Christians really struggle in this area because it's not their fault. It's not your fault. It's just that the, the revelation of the conscience hasn't really been opened up to everybody. And today, our church, we're privileged because we, we are so much more cleaner in our hearts than most Christians that we come across. In fact, people, I've heard testimonies of people in our church have, uh, having such an upright character outside in the workplace that is a, is a crown upon my head. And I want to commend you because you are doing what the word says. You are following God. You are doing really well. Doing really well. And so you have, you have, Jesus is saying, therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And you know, before, before life began, I knew a, 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 I was, we were in, in a previous church before, uh, and you know, we had, uh, we went leadership in that church and we had roles that we had to do. And my, my role was to be the worship pastor of the church. And, and uh, there was a musician that came um, to the church um, newly and he wanted to, you know, uh, bring his expression and serve the kingdom of God. And as the worship pastor, I was like, yep, cool. Let's, let's, uh, don't think who it is, okay? <laughs> don't, <laughs> I know where you're going. Just relax. Just listen to the story. There's a point. You wait for the point, okay? Yeah. Don't think about who it is. Yeah. All right? So this musician now uh, is... Uh, comes in and you know watching him for a couple of months and he's doing really well his walk with God is good and he's he's really serving on the worship team getting to know people around him growing in his relationship with God about six maybe seven months maybe eight months in I started noticing that his behavior started changing behavior around people Behavior towards people, behavior towards the pastors, behavior to the church, uh, behavior for everything, everything that happens around in the kingdom of God, behavior was like, it's not good. So I said, okay, let's, hey, let's meet. Let's have a coffee together. So while I was sitting and having coffee, I, begin, I began to find out the issue now in, with the guy. He got too close to people in the worship team and the leadership and all that kind of stuff. And he started realizing that these people, what they preach and what they, or what they, what they sing and what they claim and what their life style is are two different things. And so because he got too close to them, he could not handle their lifestyle. So he got offended because of their lifestyle, their choices. See, at the end of the day, nobody can hurt you. You get hurt because you allow people to hurt you. I think the mothers are getting it. Mothers are getting it. You're not working, Anna. No problem. Nobody can offend you. You choose to get offended. 
Nobody can deceive you. You actually make a choice to live in deception. And so this guy now, I'm sitting with him and he goes, man, you know, this, uh, this person does this and this person does that and all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, okay, what does the Bible say about people like this? The Bible says if you, if you, if you have an offering to come and bring it to God, uh, before you worship God, go leave your offering at the altar, go make your heart right with your brother and come back and then worship God. So that's what I did. I told him, he's like, hey, you know, just take some time off the worship team. For musicians, that's like a, it's like you rip their heart out. So I said, take some time off from the worship team, deal with your relationships with people, get right, get healthy again, because it's not, not healthy. So the guy got offended with me also. And uh, he was like, you guys are all the same. And so he left the worship team uh, and eventually left the church and, you know, he just wandered away. So when life started, maybe this year, I think, early this year, I bumped into him in the mall. And uh, I was like, hey, how's it going, man? And when he opened his mouth, he was worse off than when he left the church. He was spewing stuff like a heathen. (laughs) I was like, this is... So he goes, so how are you? (laughs) So as usual, we're full of life. So we're like, man, let me tell you, we've had... Three, four resurrections happen in our church. Cancers are being healed. Man, people are being set free, transformed. And like phenomenal, like God is doing such awesome things. The word is deep. Man, church is growing all that. I'm like nonstop. And and I I waited for a response. And he goes, I'm happy for you, man. (laughs) You, You understand? You see how far the deception, the doctrine of a demon, a doctrine of offense has taken a person and he's lived in that offense for so long that he does not even celebrate the kingdom of God. See, when we share testimonies here, we're not sharing testimonies to entertain you, please. We're not sharing testimonies in order for you to, uh, to feel like, wow, you know, I think I'll come to this church because God is moving. No. The reason why we're sharing testimony is because we're giving God glory. And your celebration of those testimonies will tell you how seared your heart is. People walk into church and they entertain me. Uh, Get over it. Oh, pastor, the church exists for me. No, 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 no. You exist for the church. Get over yourself. See, the the issue here is that people think that the church exists for them. No, 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 no. We all come together and form the church. But each person serves one another. We all serve each other. Nobody in the church, it's like, okay, if you're the back, when you first come to church, you have to make your way forward all the way to the front line and then eventually to the stage. It doesn't work like that. People at the back are as powerful as the people in the front. See, see, look at look at all of them. How they're celebrating. Look at wow! Look at them. Wow! All the guys in the front are clapping for them. <laughs> so what happened to the guy? What happened was there was a there was this, a little offense. 
a silly offense, something that could have been dealt with, something that could have you said, hey, I, I didn't understand what was happening. Could you explain why you like this? Maybe your, your, your confrontation, maybe your, your confrontation in love <laughs> could, could actually save uh, that person's walk with God. The reason why you're affected is because you have a value system and now you allowed that value system and your conscience to be seared in such a way that you now believed a doctrine. You're making up your own doctrines. He's like, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with my life. You know, I'm set, you know. I've got my hobbies and, you know, I'm following my hobbies and, uh, um, yeah, I'm doing really well. Really? Are you doing really well? You don't look like you're doing really well, man. You don't even sound like you're really doing well. You sound dead to me. And f Christians have this issue, little things. They don't understand the doctrines of the Bible and they have issues with people at the pulpit. And they're sitting in the congregation and they're thinking, mm, whatever, in their mind. <laughs> and they're thinking about this person. They're like, oh, no, no, this person, uh, I don't know. Oh, but good word, good word, good word. Huh? And then they walk away like connoisseurs, like they're like a glass of wine. Mm. Well, that worship mm, was so good today. Well, that word, man, I'm telling you, he, uh, let me give you some of his quotes. But actually, you walk away from these doors empty. Because the word did not have a soft heart to penetrate into. And the harder your heart, the slower the transformation. The thing about a seared conscience, have you heard of the term epigenetics? Some of you would have, maybe not. Okay, don't worry about it. F go and figure it out. <laughs> and please listen to me very carefully. Very carefully, okay? When your conscience is seared, okay? And the sin is unrepentant which means it is you are going on and on and on and on without feeling that you've done something wrong it changes the molecular structure of your brain it actually the epigenetics that sit on the, or the genome that tell your genes how to behave actually start changing and it starts changing your behavior. Now, you need to understand that when you have kids, that behavior is transferred from one generation to another. Let me show you how. You know, Adam fell, he sinned, and he fell, and then he had two kids. Are you listening? Okay? Who told Cain that he had to kill his brother? Who taught Cain to kill? It's a good question, right? Unless, have you ever heard anyone say from the Bible that Adam repented? <laughs> Adam 
did not repent when God called out their sin he did not say God I'm really sorry I repent forgive me of my sin transform my mind the issues in my mind he didn't say that in fact in depression he just walked away from God and he lived with a seared conscience to the point where now when he did have a child his child listen to me his child was born with a seared conscience What happened with Adam and Eve? God rejected them. When Cain and Abel brought their offering before God, God looked at Abel and he accepted him because by faith, Hebrews 11, by faith Abel offered a better sacrifice. But Cain, God rejected Cain's offering and Cain. And God had to ask him the question, what's wrong with your face, man? And that's, that's what it means. Why has your countenance fallen? What's wrong with your face? Why are you sad? It's because the, when, when he got rejected, are you paying attention? Yeah. Listening to me, are you listening to me? Yeah. When he got rejected, the, the, the DNA of rejection from his father kicked in. Oh, come on. And because it kicked in, now when he realizes his brother's accepted, but he's rejected, I'm like my father and my mother, we're rejected from the kingdom of God. We can't have relationship with God because my conscience is seared. Now he looks for an opportunity to kill his brother. And God tells him this. He says, Cain, sin is at the door of your heart, but it's desire. Are you listening? Sin's desire is for you. You think that you're you're a sinner because you like sin? No, 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 no. Sin likes you more than you like sin. Sin wants you to fall much more than you want to fall. In fact, you don't wake up every morning saying, I'm going to sin. But you yourself, sin on the inside is in your DNA. And when it's in your DNA, it's epigenetics is telling the genome now, okay, this happened to my father. When it happens to me now, I start drinking. I start smoking. I start looking at pornography. I start looking at women lustfully. Oh, come on, man. Your parents never taught you to look at pornography. How did it happen? It's not your, maybe not your father, but we are forefathers. Something was transferred from one generation to another generation. And Cain now is looking for an opportunity, kills his brother. God comes to him and says, what have you done? Your brother's voice speaks to me from the ground. Look at the cold heart. Am I my brother's keeper? Dead heart. People come to church like, hey, you know, come in church, serve, man. No, why should I serve? See, when people make comments like that, it shows the heart. Your heart is much more seared than you really think it is. It's the simple things, ladies and gentlemen. It's not the big things. It's the little things that grab you. And over a period of time, it's like, a, it's like a, a wave that comes and crashes you over and over again and then completely takes your heart away from God. This is what sin does. This is how powerful the conscience is. I'm so glad you're enjoying that word. 
You know, science has uh, the, the neurochemistry or the study of, of neurons in the brain, uh, neurons and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't want to tell you the terminology, but brain stuff. <clears throat> Scientists who study brain stuff, okay? That's like my wife. My wife can't talk bike. I can't talk biology. <laughs> Scientists have, have figured out that they've proven how the conscience can be seared. Do you want to know why? Yeah. How? Yeah. Right? Let's say, for example, a person um, is exposed. I know we have, we have children in the room, but I'm going to say it anyways. Parents, explain to the children later, okay? Because it'll set them free from it. Let's say a person cheats on their wife for the first time. There is a definite remorse in the heart. There's a definite feeling of like, man, I think I've done wrong. But, but before they do it, before they get involved with it, there's a, there's, a, there's a fear and an excitement that kicks off in the brain. You know what I'm talking about, right? Right? When, when you're not supposed to do something and you're doing it, there's an excitement and a fear both happening at the same time. It's like a, your heart is like, do, 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 do. you're sweating, but at the same time you want to enjoy it. Am I talking to the right church? Like, okay, yeah. And so now, if this person cheats on his wife and, and is now remorse, see, but the, the conscience will tell you you've done wrong. Your conscience will tell you you've broken covenant. But let's say the person, he, he's not caught out. Let's say he's very smart. Right? Wife doesn't catch him. He goes on the trip. Huh? He goes on a trip for a trip. To get tripped. And he trips. <laughs> and then he gets, he gets trapped. <laughs> and then now he figures out I got away with it. But your conscience now knows exactly what you've done. And he's like, oh, he comes back to Dubai. And his like, heart is like, oh man, what have I done? What have I done? But the wife is the same to him. She treats him with love. So he thinks, hold on a minute. I got away with it. So he goes back on another trip. And he does the same thing. He goes on another trip, does the same thing. See, but every single trip that he takes, his heart becomes insensitive towards his wife. Do you understand? And little by little, the wife is wondering, why is my husband not sitting next to me? Why is he not holding my hand? Why is my husband not doing what he normally does? How come, how come he's not happy when he comes home? Over a period of time, the husband's heart becomes insensitive towards the wife, towards the needs of the wife, which means there's something on the outside that excites him more than what is happening at home. Are you with me? Let's say a person looks at pornography for the first time. When he's looking at pornography, he knows it's wrong. He, but at the same time, there's, a, there's an excitement and a fear that he, he should t turn his eyes away from it. He's not supposed to be alone. He's not supposed to be looking at the computer at the night. He's not supposed to. She's not supposed to do that. And he's looking at it and he knows, oh, I'm in commitment. I'm in covenant with God and my wife. I'm in covenant with God and my family and my friends. I can't do this. But at the same time, he goes ahead and does it anyways. He gets away with it. See, what happens in the brain is there's a, there's a, uh, there's a part of the brain called the amygdala. 
And this amygdala, when it, 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 it fires, it fires fear and excitement at the same time. Are you listening? You okay? Yeah. You okay with this? Right? You, you're getting some yeah. education today. And when that happens, if it happens constantly, repetitively, in the same cycle over and over again, if it's unrepentant, there's no repentance and people keep doing the same thing over and over again, what happens is there's a protein that's released called FOSB. And that protein changes the molecular structure of the love circuits in a person's brain. Science is proving this, right? When that protein is released, now what happens is it changes your molecular structure from giving love to self-centered. It's phenomenal. And science is proving that that's what happens when your conscience gets seared. It's repetitive. You keep doing it over and over again. You're not, and, and there comes a point in time in your life where you, you've gotten away with it so much that now you actually enjoy it. You don't think it's wrong anymore. Ooh, making some people uncomfortable in the room. Let's, let's say the, the, what I said is a little too extreme. Let's talk about gossip. Let's talk about lying. Let's talk about cheating. Let's talk about backbiting. All of these things trigger the same things in your brain. And if it's not checked, if it's unrepentant, if a person talks about somebody else, whether right or wrong, if they talk about it, and over a period of time, it, good becomes evil and evil becomes good. And that was what Jesus' problem was with the scribes and Pharisees. They looked at Jesus as a problem. And a lot of churches in the city look at life as a problem. Now I'm getting somewhere now. I'm, corporately, full churches have been misled to believe that we're deceived. It's a word, it's a value system. And because it's come from the pulpit, people just innocently take it. But they don't realize that their hearts have been seared towards John and Kelsey. That when they're walking in the mall, they look at John and Kelsey, they turn around and go the other way. The same way, and, and we have to meet in funerals. <laughs> we have to meet in the mall sometimes. You bump into people, and it's like, uh, okay, like, uh, how are you? Uh, good. <laughs> Very good. How, how, how's work? Uh, nice, nice, nice. How's church? No, uh, no, very, very good. How, how are you, pastor? They won't even say pastor now. They say John. How are you, John? Oh, man, let me tell you. Come sit, let's have coffee. Why? Because my heart is clean towards them. Right? I have nothing against people, but please... I, we have nothing against people. In fact, we invite all the churches in the city to come to our church. Come. come and see how free we are. Come and see how open and honest we are about God's word and about our life. Come. Come and look at our doctrine. Tell me. Uh, sit with me with the Bible and let's talk. I would love to. Do I have a theology? Yes, I do. Do I have a, a divinity? Yes, I do. Yes. Well, what do you want? I have, man, I have crazy certificates. <laughs> I, have, I have certificates that I don't even know the names of. 
But most importantly, I'm certified by Jesus Christ. This church is certified as a revival. Whether, if you think that I have to come to church and I hear the first song is like, okay, warm up. Warm up, okay, okay, what are they doing? What are they doing? Okay, nice, nice. What's she wearing? What's she wearing? I just want to tell you, your conscience is seared. Why? It's because the things uh, that you go through hinders you from experiencing God. When you walk into a room like this where the presence of God is so tangible, you walk in and you can't experience God. You need three songs in order for you to experience God's presence. There's an issue with your heart. You've become dull towards God. You've got to come into a place. In fact, if you don't experience the presence of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it means that your heart has become dull towards God outside of a church environment. The parents are not screaming, the kids are. (laughs) But your conscience gets seared when there's unrepentant sin. When you know the value system that God says. For example, I'll give you you an example, another example, so that you understand. God's value is for life. Long life. Do you understand? You read through the Bible, God always wants to give people long life, right? Now, if you say, I, I want that and I receive that for my life, it means your obedience puts worth on what God values. My obedience in how I live my life, the choices I make, the foods I eat, the way I exercise, what I do in my life determines, it shows God or reveals to God that I really take life seriously. I want to live a long life. I'm not interested in going to heaven because I know we'll all get there. In fact, heaven will come here, right? So the the point to what I'm saying is if I create a value for long life and I live according to what God loves, now the abundance of blessing of long life is your portion. Do you understand? If you have life on the inside of you, listen to me very carefully. If you have God's life on the inside of you, now you become a source of life to people who don't have that life. Which means healings begin to happen very fast. You know, I, I don't know if you were here in the church. When I, when I, in 40 minutes, we had 43 miracles taking place in the, in, in a, in the room here. 40 minutes, 43 miracles. Just like that. Just like that. Just like that. Fast, 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 fast. Why did that happen? It's because I understand that I have a value for life. I want to live a long life and my desire for you is for you to live a long life. It's not for me to demonstrate a gift. It's for me to demonstrate God's love for you and he's presenting a value system to you. Now you have a choice whether you want to live a long life or not. And so based on that, you will receive your reward. Are you with me? So so a seared conscience or... A a dead heart is a heart that is insensitive to God and to people around you. Right now, you should be going through, it should be going through your mind. What are the areas of my life that I'm not sensitive to God? 
Do I hear God for my finances? Do I hear God for my marriage? Do I hear God for my friends? Do I hear God for church? Do I hear God for my career? Do I, am I hearing God every day? Do I wake up in the morning and, I'm going, and, and, and I say, God, what's your plan for me today? How do I submit my, my life to your will? How, what is your will for my day today? And when you choose to live a life like that, God will begin to speak to you. And when you place a value of obedience on his word, you begin to live in such great abundance in every area of your life. Not just church, not just preaching, teaching, not just healing the sick. Every area of your life. Wouldn't you want to be whole in every area of your life? Okay, for the 15 of you, I bless you. And, and I really declare that you will live in the obedience of this word. No, no, too late, too late. Too late, too late. Listen, late obedience is disobedience. Corbis van Rensburg. So, I want to I wanna take you to a portion of scripture in Luke 24. <clears throat> Luke 24. Right. Um, Luke 24, chapter 13. <clears throat> Verse 13, sorry. What did I say? <laughs> now behold, two of them were traveling at the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all the things which had happened. So it was while they were conversing and uh, while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went to them. But their eyes were restrained so they did not know him. Very interesting. Right? Luke 24, Jesus is crucified. He's resurrected. The disciples, you need to understand, the disciples go through an extremely traumatic time. They go through a time where they're pursuing Jesus, everything's good, healing the sick, casting out demons to instantly betrayal, Garden of Gethsemane, crucifixion, public crucifixion, disciples deserting Jesus and running away. Okay? It's absolutely traumatic. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm no, I don't want to say it. Because you won't do it. You won't desert me, would you? We'll have dessert together, but you won't. <laughs> right. Oh my God. <laughs> Good one. No, 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 no. Yeah. So, absolutely traumatic. And now, they're walking away from Jerusalem because the, the guy who was their leader, who said that the, he was their savior, is no longer with them. And they're walking away now. And they're both depressed. And, and you need to understand that there's, there's, there's such a traumatic experience that it sears their conscience. It sears their conscience so much, they don't recognize Jesus walking past them. Do you understand what's happening? See, when we come into a church like this, if you don't understand that God is talking to you right now in his word, then your conscience is seared. If you think it's just a message... If it's just a sermon, it's, this is what we just do. Your conscience has been seared. It could be a traumatic experience. It could be church experience itself that has caused you to feel like this. But 
You can have your conscience seared while you're in church. The disciples were with Jesus for three and a half years. Everything was honky-dory till the guy goes on the cross. And then they can't find his body. <laughs> it's like even worse now. And so they're walking away and they're depressed and they're talking to mother and Jesus walks up to them and in verse 17, and he said to them, what kind of conversation? There we go. What kind of value system is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? I've been to churches where the church is depressed. Literally. I've walked into services going, I think I'm the only person and my wife and me are the only person who's alive in this place. And they ask me, Pastor, can you close in prayer? They should have given me the mic to open in prayer. They give me the mic to close in prayer and I go, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for life. And the whole church goes, they come alive. What conversations are you having? What? Because the conversations you're having tells you what the countenance on your face looks like. And the same thing would happen with Cain. It's happening with these two disciples. And, and Jesus asked me, what's wrong with your face, man? What is happening in your heart? Let's read on. Then one whose name was Cleophas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? You know, when I read stuff like that, I really thank God that we are much smarter than them. Right? You don't, don't believe it? Okay. I'll, I'll repeat myself because it was a compliment for you. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? I'm so happy that people in this church are much more smarter than the disciples. And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? Trust Jesus. So they said to him, the things concerning, now, now listen to the title. The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. Wrong title. They hung out with him for three years and he says, I am the son of God to them. And they're calling him a prophet. Tells me that their heart, their conscience, it blinded their eyes from seeing who Jesus really was. Wow. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women in our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen visions of angels and who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it and as the women had said, but him they did not see. Can you see the sadness in their, in their heart? Like they feel like, man, this guy we followed didn't really live up to his word. That's offense. 
oh no you didn't get it you thought you thought they were sad just because they were they were of what happened no no they got offended with jesus their conscience is seared yeah they let down and he said to them this is jesus again oh foolish ones and slow of heart wow let's read it together cuz i really feel like you don't believe in what the bible is saying verse 25 and then he said to them oh and to believe in all the prophets have spoken ought not the christ to have suffered these things and to enter into glory and beginning at moses and the prophets he expounded to them all the values the things concerning himself verse 28 then they drew near to the village where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone further but they constrained him saying abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is fast spent and he went in to stay with them wow thank you jesus now it came to pass this is beautiful now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to them then their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished from their sight then they said to one another did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us did not our conscience burn within us while he talked with us on the road while he talked to us in church while he talked to us while we were driving the car while he talked to us as soon as i woke up in the morning while he talked to us while i had a dream last night while he talked to us through my wife while he talked to me through my husband did my heart not burn The question I have for you is when you listen to God's word whether it comes through John Kelsey whether it comes through the audio tape while you're watching TV whatever it is while you're watching a movie uh, does your heart burn does your conscience burn or is your conscience burned by something else oh does your heart burn you know you know how Isaiah the prophet was called to be a prophet In Isaiah chapter 6 you can read it it's absolutely beautiful God a seraphim comes to him and 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 takes a call from from the altar of God it comes to him and takes that that call it's called it's called a live call which means it's hot and it it takes it and he 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 touches his lips he touches his lips and he says from today your iniquity has vanished from today you will speak the oracles of god from today you will be a prophet to the nations and the disciples are sitting there with jesus and he's speaking value after value after value and their hearts are being burned because see we we can we can we can look at all the other values and it can burn our hearts it's a fake burn We can look at other loves, other other things that entertain us, other churches that do super awesome things that we 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 get attracted to, but does our heart burn for life? 
Or does our heart burn and become dead? Oh, come on. No, you're not getting it. Are you getting it? Does your heart burn? Oh, God did not do this for me. I was waiting for that miracle, but God did not do this for me. Now I'm not going to come to church. I'm not going to be as happy as I should be. No, no, no. You got offended with God. (laughs) Who are you? Who do you think you are? Getting offended with God Almighty. Man, he can blink and you will be obliterated. He can have a thought and you won't live anymore. And you're offended with God because you didn't get your breakthrough when you wanted it. You wanted your breakthrough in your time. And you were not ready for your breakthrough. And God did not release it because you were not ready. You were not mature to handle the breakthrough. Because your heart was not in the right place. And people come to me, oh, I need a job. I need a promotion. I need all of that. Hey, are you faithful with what you have right now? Because if you're faithful with what you have right now, you don't even need to pray for a promotion. Oh. If you're faithful, let's say you don't have a job. Are you faithful with your family? Oh. Come on. Are you faithful? I, I, I saw, I went to a man's house who had a business in our church. He had a business and the business failed. You know what he did? He took up his home. As his mission, he would clean the house. He would look after his kids. He would, he would, he would clean. We sat at his table and after we had food, he brought a spray and a, and a tissue and he came and he sprayed the table and he said, I don't like the table to be dirty. You know what that is? That's faithfulness. He's not sitting idle, grumbling about, oh, I didn't get my breakthrough and God did not do this for me and God did not do that for me. He's saying, God, while I'm waiting for my breakthrough, let me serve my family. Let me love my children. Let me love my wife. Let me give my all to them. Wherever I am, let me just serve. While things are not working out, maybe your heart is not in the right place and God is trying to get your heart to come in the right place. Maybe he puts you at home so that you can learn to have a heart for your family. So that when you do have a business one day, you treat your business like it is family and not just a money-making machine. But we get so offended with God when things don't happen according to our time. This is the time, God. I needed this breakthrough at this time. No. God doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. He knows all the deadlines. He knows all the bills that need to be paid. He knows when they need to be paid. But yet he doesn't do it. Why doesn't he do it? It's because you've been living your life according to your will. And now you're in the process. You're in the place where you're facing the consequences of your own will. You've received doctrines of demons that, come, that have come through people and you've obeyed them and you've obeyed them in such a way that today you're reaping wages of death, whether it's in your health, whether it's in your finances, whether it's your business, marriage, whatever it is. And now, when things are not working out, you have changed your heart. Oh, no, no, I, I come to church now. I come to church. I come to church because God will do a miracle for me. No, God is much smarter than you think he is. But he loves you so much. He loves you so much that he won't allow the weight of a blessing to destroy you. 
these two disciples are, are like hearts are burning when they heard the word. What does what happens to you when you come to church? Does your heart burn? Or does your eyelids burn? It's <laughs> a good word. I think I, I, I think I should put a make a Instagram it. church man if I don't go my life coach will call me if the life coach doesn't stop call me pastor will call me no it doesn't work like that here you're responsible for your own walk with God it's a different place life it's a different kind of church it's life you can't come here and not be alive you can't come here and not experience breakthrough. You can't come here and not experience the presence of God in a place like this. You can't, you can't, you can't. But if you're not, the issue is not with the church. The issue is not with demons. The issue is with your heart. And God is looking for people whose hearts are not dead. He's looking for people whose hearts are alive. So I want to I wanna right now talk to two groups of people. One group of people, you've been traumatized by things around you that you had no control over. Whether it's world events, whether it is, um, you know, you know, like, for example, like the, the floods in Kerala. I'm talk, talking about things like that. I'm talking about war around the world, earthquakes, tsunamis, and you've seen destruction and you've seen just pain. You've, you've, you've had no control over what people said to you. You had, are you, are you guys okay listening to me? I'm calling out your heart now. Okay. You've had no control where, where people have cheated you and robbed you of money. You know, I've been cheated of money, like 470,000 dirhams. I've been cheated of money. But do you think I'll just sit down like that and take it? God knows who took it. God knows what they did with it. And God knows how much I paid for it. And God knows how much my heart was revealed to me about money. I had to die to money. I want to tell you, I had to die to the love of money. I came to Dubai for money. Most of us have come for money. And I was telling Kelsey the other day, you know, when people live here for a long time, when they leave, they don't leave on a good note. They leave with nothing. Some people. And it's so sad, you know. Because in the process, you've, your heart has gotten caught up with everything that's happening around here and it's become so dull towards the things of God. Every single person that's sitting here in this room, you're not here by accident. I know you've heard this before, but today it makes, a, it, it's, a different, it's a different meaning. You're not here by accident. The purpose that God has for your life is so unique that only you can fulfill it. 
but it has to it has to begin at a place it has to begin at a place where you you choose his will above your will man it's just as simple as that so i'm still talking to that first group and you've you you've people have have betrayed you people have done things to you and you've had no control over it but yet you allowed your heart to be hurt you've ha- allowed your heart to be offended you've allowed your heart to be to feel betrayed and it's you've held that for so many years for so long you've been offended at god for not giving you a breakthrough for your miracles and it's really hindered your joy level like i mean you like you're like you're like you're sitting in a room and you're the depression pill in the room it's like you walked into the room and literally everybody in the room took a depression pill oh what's happened oh no no god doesn't love me anymore no god loves you you're alive you have a family god loves you you're part of a church that loves you 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 have a seat in this house you're seated at this table god loves you we love you get over yourself <laughs> second group of people and this could be men and women as well you've been involved in habitual sin habitual gossip <laughs> habitual lying it's like you go to one church you do one thing then you when they figure your stuff out you come to another church and you have a time span and they figure your stuff and then you go to another church and then another church and you hop skip and jump all over when they figure out who you really are what's in your heart but you never get to deal with your heart never get to deal with with repentance you never get an opportunity to repent you never heard a word like this that that says hey you know i want to live the blessed life i am in the kingdom of god but i've never really obeyed god's word i've ne- i've heard the messages i've clapped i've celebrated but i've never really followed through with my obedience it's the second group of people your heart has become so hard towards church and i'm talking not only just to people in the room i'm talking to people who will watch me in the future people who listen to me on soundcloud or on itunes and you might be you might you you know people with hard hearts man they're just not friendly people they you just can't sit around them and have a have an easy conversation it's like it's like oh my god my life is in a mess and or oh, they they're just hard you know there's so much of unforgiveness there's just pain and bitterness on the inside and they just want to keep people out every person that comes close to me hurts me it's like it's like they have a spear in their heart and every time somebody comes close to the person it's like it's like the spear goes deeper into the heart and there's just pain and pain and pain i want to set you free today thank you for the two people the disciples hearts burned when they did not see jesus they did not recognize that it was jesus but their hearts burned they were convicted in their heart but the moment when jesus broke bread the moment he distributed it their eyes were open and paul says 
Father, I pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our heart. Your conscience has eyes. It looks at everything. It sees everything. Every thought that you entertain into your mind, your conscience sees it. And your conscience knows that you've been defiled. And the Lord wants to give you an opportunity today. This is not an altar call moment. But this is a moment of transformation. Before we get ready to have communion, before we break bread, and before we drink, we partake of his body and his blood, I would love for you to, to get right with him.